0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another moment of Black History Moment with Bo. My friends, I'm going to say something now that a lot of people won't like, but I will not censor my mouth to comfort your ignorance. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little. Drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get up too tired, read too little, watch TV too much. We have multiplied our possessions but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, not life to years. Malcolm X is gone, Steve Binko is gone, Bishop Tutu is gone, Marcus Garvey is gone. These were black people that spoke up for us, that found the path that we should walk on and continue to walk on. Not all black people are going to stick together, but those who do will be the ones who build our future. And I guess it's about time that we slip into darkness and learn something about a man by the name of Sam Sharp. When nations print currency, They tell stories about themselves. The iconography on coins and bills present national galleries of sorts, intending to convey not only a mood, but also a shared values. While most countries use faces of past presidents or monarchs, some have occasionally chosen private citizens. France demonstrated respect for science with Louis Pasteur on their five-franc note in the 1960s. Turkey today honors the arts with novelist Fatma Topuz on the 50 lira. When Jamaica rolled out its $50 note in 1988, it picked an enslaved man who went to a criminal's death on the gallows and had been forgotten for more than a hundred and forty years. The story of how Sam Sharp ended up on the currency is a lesson in how a nation tries to reinvent itself through telling a new story about their own history. The British slave owning class in Jamaica had every reason to erase Sharp from memory after his execution on May the 23rd, 1832. You see, he had been the chief plotter of a conspiracy that started as a peaceful labor strike before spinning out of control. The violent rebellion that followed turned the northwest section of the island into a mass of flames and left dozens of its plantation houses in ashes. Burn, baby, burn. While uprisings like this were a fact of doing business in the British Caribbean, this one had been different not just for the scope of his destruction, but the way the newspapers in Britain had taken special notice and invigorated the abolitionist factions in Parliament. Authorities feared that other literate slaves like Sharp would emulate his example and foment another insurrection, so they buried his bones on a deserted beach and made no further mention of him. But the damage was done. A committee in London interviewed 32 witnesses and concluded that keeping slavery intact would only drain and prolong an endless tropical war. Slavery was given qualified abolition within two years of Sharps' Rebellion, and full freedom arrived in Jamaica in 1838, decades before the Civil War. Almost nobody would publicly call him a hero back then, even though his methods had started peacefully and even though his conspiracy had imperfectly been a success, maybe because of the violence associated with the revolt or because of the repression still endured by emancipated slaves in British-governed Jamaica. Sharp's name was all but removed from collective island memory. Jamaica became independent from the United Kingdom in 1962, one of dozens of former colonial possessions set free to self govern, and it faced a problem of definition how to reconcile a past that had been defined by slavery, exploitation, and incalculable pain with the call to present a more hopeful vision for the future. Some of the ambivalence can be seen in his flag, vaguely mimicking the saltire of the Union Jack, but colored green, gold, and black. The first was said to represent the beauty of the island, the second its natural wealth, and the last the dark chapters of its past. Another important part of building the national identity was to do away with the traditional British lions of the past, mainly sovereign and governors whose names were honored on public monuments and replaced them with Afro-Caribbean figures. The independent government established a category called the Order of National Heroes and included three historical figures, the separatist advocate Marcus Garvey, who has spent considerable time in Harlem, and two martyrs of an attempt coup d'etat In 1865, two other posts were given to contemporary prime ministers. But what of Jamaica's period of enslavement under Europeans, from the time when Christopher Columbus first spotted it in 1494 to the British emancipation in 1832? Was there nobody from that time who might have qualified? one of the many ghastly byproducts of slavery is how it didn't just destroy the physical body but also wiped away individualities a double death in the west indies an enslaved person's name usually a single patronizing tag like squashy or Shakespeare might be written down once or twice in a government registry or a bookkeeper's notes with birth or sale, like the name Toby in our American South. That was the sum total of their record. Their deeds, their loves, their personality, their hopes, their pain, all of it went unrecorded. Enslaved people were not given the tools of literacy in Jamaica until missionary teachers arrived in the 1820s, and even then under a tremendous skeptical watch of the ownership class. There had doubtlessly been innumerable acts of heroism among enslaved people during these three centuries, and yet most of them can never be recovered From a Cruel Historical Oblivion When the People's National Party came to power in Jamaica in 1972, it began to send friendly diplomatic signals to the Soviet Union and to neighboring Cuba to the alarm of the CIA. It also began emphasizing Marxist concepts like the dialectic of history and resistance to industrial tyranny. The government formed a small committee to search for examples that could be mapped into this template. One leaped out. The story of Sam Shepard's rebellion had stayed alive. Thanks to an underground oral tradition, in the island as well as the British legal apparatus and its obsessively kept court records. Sharp's execution had been in the newspaper, which was preserved in the National Library of Jamaica, and the five-page transcript of his kangaroo trial was pasted deep in a binder of dispatches in the Colonial Office in London. Sharp was placed among the Order of National Heroes on October 1, 1975, in a public ceremony at a Kingston Stadium where the crowd, according, was a sea of blank faces. Few had ever heard of him. Neither his life nor his revolt had been taught in public schools, which were still operating under a basic United Kingdom template that had washed the record clean of revolutionary figures and outlaws. But still, this honor was, according to Prime Minister Norman Manley, a final act of justification of this nation's sense of its own history and by extension of the sense of our destiny." Sharp had been a deacon in the Baptist church, and his plotting in the summer and autumn of 1831 had been under the cover of teaching Bible studies on plantations scattered around the Northwest. He had drawn his inspiration from the Bible and had taught portions of the New Testament that the white missionaries considered too hot to handle. Man cannot serve two masters. There is neither slave nor free. You will know the truth, and the truth can make you free. Sharp's sense of Christian love extended to his tactical plans. No man is to be harmed, he insisted. We will only sit down and ask for wages. And even after the enslaved people took control of widespreads of territory for several weeks, almost no slave owners were beaten or killed a remarkable display of restraint for people who had every reason to want revenge. But this view of Sharp as a proto-Gandhi figure is complicated by other facts in the British court documents, as damning as they are doubtful. Some of the witnesses at his trial claimed they saw him holding a hunting musket a few days into the revolt, he undeniably lost control of his many followers just hours into the planned strike, and there is no evidence he sought to stem the arson taking place on dozens of sugar estates. Sharp did not leave writings in his own hands but he told several visitors to his jail cell that his only object had been to gain freedom for himself and his fellows trapped in slavery. Jamaica's choice of icon for its $50 bill may be wrapped in guiltiness, but it is an appealing one, for Sharp's doomed rebellion embodied many of the characteristics of slave revolts Around the Caribbean, during its painful colonial period, the pent-up explosion of rage, but also the tactical daring, the idealism, and the heroism, and even the kindness. Sharp's rebellion marks the tipping point. Legal emancipation, while lengthy and imperfect, set an example of peaceful transition for other colonial powers. The 1838 calendar date of final freedom that Sharp unquestionably hastened. August the 1st was celebrated among American abolitionists with picnic and speeches every year until 1861, beginning of the Civil War which shed far more blood, created far more destruction and endendered lengthier collective wounds than seen in the British experience of doing away with slavery, which was a pinprick by comparison. British authorities killed Sam Shepard on the gallows and tried to obliterate his memories, but they ought to have thanked him for sparing them an even greater catastrophic reckoning for their national choices. His face is on the Jamaican currency, but he is a hero for the world. And that, my friends, is the story of Sam Sharp, the enslaved man that freed Jamaica. And we thank you, my brother. We thank you for possibly being a spark that set a blaze of freedom for people all over the world. Rest in peace, knowing that although they tried to hide you, your story has been told by the Oral Underground Railroad and it is alive today and we will carry it on. Well, my friends, that music tells me that it is time to go. But before I go, I want to tell you this. Do you know the only difference between a Puerto Rican, a Dominican, a Jamaican, a Haitian, a a Cuban, and an African-American is a boat stop. Until next time, it's been my honor.